Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. We're a day later than usual this week because I was on vacation, which which we'll talk about later. It was awesome. But Patrick, let's get to you. How was your hopper? Man. <laughs> well, the, oh, okay. <laughs> the weather was beautiful, which means that I got humbled. Uh, cause when the weather's nice, I don't have a superpower. <laughs> mm. Right. Not 45 degrees and raining. Right. Right. It was right. lovely. It was a day. Everyone should have been on a bike and most everyone went faster than me. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you, uh, you saw more sights for longer periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. I got to spend more time on the single track. That's it. <laughs> See, um, upsides. You know, I, I, I went out, I did the day, it was a great day. And I mean, the course was just unbelievable. It was redwood forest all day long. There was mm. only a little bit of pavement. I don't know, two miles tops at very little pavement. And, yeah. uh, it just, it was as pretty a bike ride as you could hope for. I mean, if you want majestic mountains of Colorado or Utah, something like this, it was not that. But if you like dense redwood forest and, you mm-hmm. know, rolling hills and maybe something that might constitute a mountain in some some regions, it was just so pretty. This is the event that I think will really put the Grasshopper Adventure Series on the map nationally. This is, you know, if people were to come out for one grasshopper ever, Jackson State Forest is the one. And Duly I'm, noted. And I'll say, I'm going to write it in other places and I'm going to keep saying it. I think Mendocino County may be the great undiscovered location for riding in the U.S. It's, it's probably the most underrated place I know of. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you never hear anybody talk about Mendocino County, right? You. <laughs> <laughs> the one guy <laughs> there's a guy i've heard it on the pace line a few times <laughs> i just Man. i mean i adore where i live i adore sonoma county i think it's totally awesome but if somebody were asking me where to go mountain bike or where to go gravel riding in california right now i'd tell them mendocino county i will i Said it last year and didn't come out for any of them, but got to make it out there. Yeah. Got to make it out. I, yeah. I know a guy who might be able to help out with that. <laughs> on the list. It is on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, come on. Vacation. A week in Oregon. What was that like? It was, it was awesome. I mean, we got blessed with uh, very good weather. It was, it was pretty much sunny until we left, which can't really argue with that. You know, we, 
we we went into Portland and then went over to Hood River, where I have I have a couple friends. Uh, Greg is a tour guide with Hood River Mountain Bike Adventures, and it, you know his wife Mel just left Nike after seventeen years. Oh, and yeah, so they have this really beautiful. They just bought this. Literally, they just bought the farm. They just bought this farm, you know, up in Hood River, and he does touring. And uh, you know, I will, I will confess right now that I, I took my laptop and I did indeed work. But the, but, but, but the nice part of it was is that I never felt like I needed to work. But my laptop was there when I was sitting there watching the hummingbirds and inspired to write some stuff down. Okay. Right? So yeah, like that felt good to me. Like I think I would have been bummed because. It occurred to me that just as I don't vacation without riding a bike, it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm working just because I'm riding. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Oh, totes. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I made some peace with that because I was so can I just tell you, I was like such a lunatic about the laptop. I'm like, you're not bringing the laptop. You're not bringing it. And it was just bugging me. I'm like, just bring the laptop. Just bring the laptop. Are you a workaholic? Do you have a problem? Can you not go for four days without your stupid laptop? But what if you want your laptop? Like, it was just a whole, and I'm just like, finally, I'm like, just take the laptop. Just take it. So I took it, and I was glad I did. It did not ruin my my vacation. I did not stare at it thinking I needed to be on it. But when there was a little quiet, because I'm an early riser, so sometimes I'm up, well, an hour before anybody else is. Mm. And I have thoughts then, you know, like, and I don't really want to just read a book. So it it was useful. It was good. But the riding, talking about, like, you were talking about the riding. The riding, a, it's super, super different from here because it's not that, I mean, you can find technical stuff, but it's not, much of it's not rocky like it is where I am. Uh-huh. And it's also just the kind of riding where, you know, you you settle in and climb for an hour and then you descend for an, <laughs> like an hour. It's just sort of, you know, you're gaining 2,000 2, feet over a course of four to five miles sometimes just going up to the top of the world so you can descend back down to the bottom of the world. You know, there's uh-huh. it, it's kind of got that rhythm to it. Um, and yeah, just it really struck me as we were going through, like we did one in Sandy Ridge that was just phenomenal. It was sort of between Hood River and Portland. And it's, it was like, I thought of you because I was in a complete trance. Like it was absolute. It was a trail that I think it was called flow motion. And it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. You just like it was perfect. Like the dirt was perfect and the berms were perfect and the rhythm was perfect. And it went on forever and ever and ever. And I never, ever, ever wanted it to end. And I just ended, I was just like buzzing, just like I would have happily climbed back to the top of the world to do that again. It was phenomenal. Wow. I mean, it was really phenomenal. It's, it's different, though, because here, you know, I, mountain biking, like you can take your road bike all over the world and pretty much know what you're doing. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah. And mountain biking is just so much not like that. Right. You, you just you take it to somewhere else. And, you know, like everything was pretty much technically within my ability, but I don't. I'm not used to holding speeds like that because we have rocks that's, that slow you down. And we don't have these downhills that go on for miles and miles and miles where if you are comfortable with that, you could easily be humming along in the 20s, you know, easily, like very fast. You can, mm-hmm. you can go very mm-hmm. fast. And I, that kind of wigs me out. That kind of wigs me out a little bit. So I, I, like I occasionally just scrub speed, honestly, just to slow down, <laughs> just to be like, okay. Because my head yeah. starts going like it, it break, it's almost breaking my flow state because then I start thinking, if anything happens right now, you're in a lot of trouble. Right. You know, like, it, yeah. 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 Well, that goes to the the challenge ability uh, equation, we'll call it within flow. 
where as right. you as you begin to get beyond what you feel your ability is, you start to get a little anxious. So you scrub right. speed so right. you're not anxious. That's, yeah. 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 So I, brought, I just scrub speed so I wasn't anxious. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. It was cool. Have you have you ridden up in that part of the world? Mountain not Park? not Hood River. No, I I did a a Western Spirit trip. Uh, a yeah, few they go years through back. there. And mountain the, biking. Yes, mountain biking. But we did the Umpqua River Trail, and so we started mm-hmm. about four thousand feet of elevation, sort of near Crater Lake, and okay. rode west, essentially back toward I five, and finished. Uh, I actually, I'm not even sure it was like a two hour drive back to Medford, Oregon, but it was five days of, you know, mountain biking all day long and just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really well done trip and lots of the trails were really flowy and you were almost always within sight of the Umpqua river. So wow. you, you'd finish a day and you'd go jump in the river. That's great. They do. They do very good work. They yeah. do very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they know their stuff. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And also while I was there, the, um, that, uh, Oregon trail gravel grinder was mm-hmm. going on. Did yep. you, I don't know if you were paying any attention to that, but that looked pretty, that looked yeah. pretty sick. I was thinking that that might be on the list at some point. Apparently it's pretty technical. I was talking to Allison, uh, yeah. Tetrick. Yeah. She's like, you should come out for this. It's, it's right up your alley. i I started reading about it and I thought, I don't know that I'm actually man enough for it. I don't, it's, it's not that I'm not cool enough or any of that stuff. It's just, I really don't know that I have the ability in my legs to do that many days that long, that hard in a row. Right. Yeah. Well, and it is, I mean, for sure it's a, but it is, it's kind of funny. They have the whole setup. If you looked at the website, like a video game, sort of like based off the, you know, where you get on the bus, <laughs> like it's just like you almost have so many lives in your video game per stage. I don't know. It's, <laughs> you have to look at it, but it seemed apropos. It was very funny. But yeah, yeah, we got back. You know, travel was easy and pretty refreshed. And it's 100 degrees back here on the East Coast. So really? Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's 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 we've come back to a heat wave and I, I actually welcome it. Um, I'm, I'm OK with that. I. I, I'm not I, I maybe it's just because I've been here so long, like anywhere I need to put on like a jacket when it's close to July. I feel weird about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I'm in touch. Uh, yeah. I it's uh, I don't want to say unseasonably cool here, but it is it is cool for late June for uh, hmm. for Sonoma County. And you know, I've been I've been happy when the evenings have, for whatever reason, stayed uh, on the warm side, so that I don't have to go put a jacket on. Right, I totally get it. Totally get it. Yeah. So, yay! Yay! Vacation. And now yeah. I'm ready to I'm ready to take a poll. What do you think? Yeah. Dive into the show. Go for it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right ahead and make the whole poll a listener question because. I've had this particular list of question has come to me a bunch lately. And I think it's because everyone's traveling for their events. Like Leadville is coming up. Breck Epic is coming up. People are going out to Colorado and Utah. And it is about altitude. Um, Yeah. One of our listeners, John Knowlton, sent this question and he said, um, podcast question for Celine. I am planning a ride next summer in the Italian Dolomites which sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I will include six days of riding with about 
40,000 feet of climbing, which is also impressive. Yeah. Uh, he says, I live in Michigan and I know Michigan is not very, I know there's not much elevation there, not much altitude there or elevation. Uh, it's about 750 feet above sea level. He says, I can get hill training. That's true. You'll be fine with just doing hill repeats on your local topography. Strength training in the gym. I am planning to climb Mount Mitchell in May, and that's uh, about 10,000 feet over 100 miles. So that's good. However, I do not know what to do about the altitude. How am I going to breathe while climbing the Stelvio at 9,000 feet? I love the show. Really appreciate a chance to ask questions. Thanks. So, um, yeah, the altitude. Altitude is a real thing. One of our other uh, listeners had chimed in because he, he put this in on the show notes. And Neil said, oh, the 9,000 feet won't bother you. And I have to disagree. I think the 9,000 feet has <laughs> has every opportunity to bother you. Um, having, no, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> having raced out in Leadville, which starts about 9,000, I've done Breck Epic and Breckenridge. I can say altitude is definitely a factor. Um, you know, but the biggest thing... The biggest thing that is a factor for that I think people don't think about is it's the recovery. It's not so much because you are going to be breathing heavier and all that stuff. You're going to feel it. But the thing that I learned the hard way is that if you go out too hard, you can't recover. I like you really actually just can't even recover. You, you, you end up going backwards for the rest of the day. Like the first day at Breck Epic, everybody and their sister and all my competitors and everybody was just like, just don't go because they know like I'm a shotgun starter. Like, don't do that. You know, like, don't go out and like, <laughs> don't do you. Do, yes. Right. Stop doing you. It's not going to work here. And of course, I went off like a cannonball <laughs> and uh, spent that, you know, and it worked until it didn't. And then the second half of the race, literally, I felt like I had dropped an anchor. People were just I was still pedaling and people were just like going right by me. I was like, well, that they were right. That did not work. I should not have done that. Um, and I came back and I interviewed Dr. Peter Hackett. Do you know who he is? No, no. He is. He's really cool. I've seen him present a few times. He is the director at the Institute for Altitude Medicine in Telluride, oh. Colorado. Yeah. So he knows the stuff. Yeah. He's very smart. And he get, he talked to me about all the stuff that your body does at altitude that I thought was really interesting. And then like some stuff that you can do to sort of counteract that. So quick little Minor TED talk on altitude here for you. And I, you know, I hope this helps you too, Patrick. But anyway, like what happens is so as your elevation rises, the air pressure becomes lower, right? So your oxygen molecules are just more spread out. So when you breathe, you just don't get as many of them. I mean, that's that's what happens. So as you get to about the 5000 foot mark, pretty much everybody starts to notice it. Once you cross into high altitude and that's demarked at like 8000 feet, uh, Pretty much everyone is affected. And by the time you reach 12,000, forget it, because there's only like 40 percent, you know, there's 40 percent fewer oxygen molecules per every breath you take. That's why you're taking a whole lot of breaths. Um, Your brain doesn't like that. It doesn't like not having enough oxygen. So it sends signals to sort of like dilate your blood vessels and get more blood flow everywhere, which is why some people also get a pounding headache. Yeah. You know, I know people who get like that headache as soon as they start trying to do something. And that's why Uh, you get that. Yeah. More often than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's common too. Um, I don't know if I, you know, he's, he says ibuprofen can help. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to really, it's not going to do as much as just acclimating, but ibuprofen can help. And also, I mean, you and I had this talk years ago when that doctor offered me Viagra yep. <laughs> to go raise. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Side note, a doctor 
The only time someone offered to dope me, they offered to give me Viagra. I turned it down um, when I was going to go race at Leadville because it's a vasodilator. So it just helps get more blood where you need it. And that's why guys get a headache sometimes when they take it. Yep. Um, you know, that's the whole reason that drug was invented originally. They were they were looking to combat altitude sickness. That's why they did not know that. Yeah. And then they found out, oh, wait, it does this other thing. (laughs) Why are these guys? Oh, so I I may be the only white man in America over 50 who has a prescription for Viagra who doesn't (laughs) use it for that. To to go to go ride your bicycle. Yeah. Every time I head to Colorado or Utah, it's it's in my checked baggage. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And have you tried beetroot juice? I mean, I'm curious if nope. that because that's the that's the other alternative. I mean, really? and anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you've ever taken it, I've used it. You can feel it tingling like it. it it's it, it also, you know, it's rich in nitrates. So it just converts to NO and that opens up your vessels that rely, you know, all that stuff. The same stuff. Yeah. Root juice. Worth trying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like a beet shot. Yeah. Because it's got a lot of them I and you wouldn't you have to eat like nine beets to be ridiculous. But you can. I mean, nobody's doing that. <laughs> Anyway, so, I mean, those are a couple of things you can try just for that, just to help you riding. I mean, beet, I would totally take red powder, like the powdered beet, beetroot juice stuff that why not? Um, you, sh- you can expect that your heart rate is going to be higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because your heart rate has to increase. Right. So at about sixty five hundred feet, he said you should expect like a 10 percent increase. And one of the things that I found worked really well for me whenever I raced any of those places is just watching my heart rate. Like when I'm going up Columbine or going up power line, I mean, you're going to have to work, especially going up something as steep as like a power line. And when you're in the dolomites, you're going to hit some steep pitches, but try as you can to keep it under your threshold, you know, like go out and see what your heart rate looks like out there and try to keep it under your threshold like that. That helps a lot. Yeah, very much. Yep. Power is going to be lower. You know, that's you just it's, it's, it's mentally I found it mentally more frustrating than anything because you, you're on like especially out at columbine like some of that climb you look at it and you should be in the big ring just charging up of it you know like if i were here <laughs> but i there i'm just in like this i'm just spinning and still just huffing and puffing because just because it's so high i mean it's just the way it is i you will have to pee a lot when you're out there and it's it's got a scientific name it's called altitude diuresis and it's actually a really good thing like some people and that you know, you should drink a little more water, but only a liter more water because you want some of that dehydration like that actually helps your blood dope. Think about it. It makes sense. So oh. your body wants to be a little drier at high altitude because your blood becomes a little thicker and then your hemoglobin becomes more concentrated. Oh, so it's a borderline thing. Like you don't want to get obviously super dehydrated, but you also don't want to be like trying to fight this natural reaction that your body's having, which is part of getting acclimated to it so yeah he's like a liter a day is fine to stay hydrated but past that like let let yourself adjust because you're actually it's actually helping you wow okay yeah i thought that was really cool and the same with the what you should eat like your appetite may be off too um some people get nauseous that kind of thing but even if you don't feel sick it's natural that your appetite will decline a little bit because Levels of leptin, which is your hormone that suppresses appetite, increase at altitude. So you're not going to feel as hungry 
Uh, it's best to skew your diet higher in carbohydrates because you're going to get more energy source that you need. And it also like hangs on to water a little bit, you know, it pulls on that dual. You, you store carbs and water together and you don't need as much energy to get your pedaling power from carbs as you do from fat. You know what I mean? When you're out there, it takes more oxygen to burn fat than it does to burn carbs. Oh, right. and people don't people don't think about that. But yeah. that's a thing. Right. That's part of why you try to do all your fat burning in a, in a low aerobic zone. Exactly. Oh, see, I know it's fascinating when somebody sits down and like actually explains all this to you. I think you can intuitively understand a little bit more how to take care of yourself than just trying to be like, remember all this stuff to to try to do at altitude. Um, And you know, the it's same with the dehydration thing. I know uh, um, my editor here is going out to race in Colorado and she's doing the sauna thing right now. Like that helps too. You can do the sauna protocol where it's a, or permissive dehydration is another thing they call it, where you do your workout and you get in a sauna without drinking. And it, it has the same sort of effect um, on your system as, as if you were at altitude. It's kind of, I mean, if I had access to a sauna, I'd try it. I just don't have easy access to a sauna, so I've never tried it, but it's been well studied. So Wow. Okay. Pretty cool. That's fascinating. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it messes with your sleep and there's not a ton you can do about that. Um, Hackett said Benadryl, like if you tolerate something easy like CBD, you know, some people use some CBD products to sleep or a Benadryl to sleep. That's probably not a bad idea because it just uh, it just it literally disrupts the sleep centers in your brain. So you're going to be waking up a lot and then you're also waking up to pee and you know everything else. So if you can take a little something to sort of help you get some rest, that's not that's not a bad idea either. And if you can have time, you know, I mean, he said that there's like 400 genes that are turned on in every cell in your body in response to altitude, which is insane. So it just like you go into a whole other it just it just it really triggers a lot of changes in your in your system. So if you have time, you know, three to five days ahead of time is ideal. Um, Seven to ten is best. But most of us are not, you know on fun employment or independently <laughs> wealthy. So, you know, if you can give yourself a few days, it's super helpful. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. And I, you know, I've, I've done since talking to him, I've, I've done stuff at high altitude and I've tried to use a lot of these things. And if I find them quite successful, um, I mean, nothing's going to make you not notice it, but right. it can ameliorate the, you know, the, the stuff, the, the side effects that you really, really don't like. Yeah. It, you know, it's one thing to be riding technical terrain and you hit a steep little pitch where, you know, back home, you just power through and you get there at altitude and you look at it and you just kind of laugh. It's like, no, I, <laughs> I got to get off my bike now. The, the things that I've found that are so helpful for me, you know, I can ride at altitude. I should not sleep at altitude. Anytime, anytime I can sleep at a lower elevation and just Mm -hmm. do the riding up high, that really helps me a whole lot. So I noticed that I will wake up during night gasping. You know, I, I get, I get essentially sleep. That's funny. Yes. He, um, he brought that up. I, I, I I didn't include that. And because I was like, well, that sounds weird. I've never heard of that. So that is actually a thing. It's known as sleep periodic breathing. And you literally stop breathing for a few moments and start up again because the respiratory center of your brain, which senses carbon dioxide, is battling with the respiratory trigger in your carotid artery, which senses low oxygen. That's actually a thing. So you are correct. 
Yeah. Wow. I, I okay. hate it. I absolutely hate it. I also hate having to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go pee because my bladder just can't take it anymore. Yeah. So no, that's annoying. I get those up. two things. Yeah. Between, I don't if like, I'm there for a race, forget it. I'm getting up on the hour, every hour for something like I'm nervous. So I'm waking up anyway. And as soon as my eyes wake up, I have to pee. Then I, it's a whole thing. Wow. Yeah. The other thing that I used to advise people when I was leading trips in France through the Alps or the Pyrenees is have a lower gear on your bike than you think you really need. If that's very good advice. <laughs> yeah. If you think, you know, I mean, back in the days of like a 3927, if you could get through all the hilly terrain back home with that, I'd tell them put on a triple. Uh, it's it just the, the gears that you can turn, just as you were noting, you know, that the power line climb where you ought to be in the big ring, you cannot turn those big gears. And the thing that will kill you is trying to turn the big gears, uh, at, you know, at a low cadence. and then. That affects your recovery. That affects oh, yeah. fatigue. You know, it, it and sucks you get up more whole, glycogen, all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So lower gears than you really think you need. Because uh, that's something you can just go out and buy, like like the beetroot juice. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> right. buy another cassette uh, and, and and don't be embarrassed. Um, and especially because they make them now, you know, 32s oh and 34s. Chris Froome can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's got a pie plate on the back of that thing don't they, they're in they're in vogue don't even worry about it <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah cool uh man i'm envious of that trip that's gonna be fun yeah yeah hmm. okay well this week i'm taking on something i'll call less a question than an issue okay. Celine, have you ever gotten lectured by anyone about whether or not you deserve to ride a particular bike no. That's good. Uh, Cause that, that gets mansplained all the time. Uh, Not surprising. It, it's a question or maybe an accusation that has come up over and over and over during my many years in cycling. It comes up invariably in the context of a bike being allegedly too good for the rider on it. The issue mm -hmm. being that the rider in question is too fat too slow, not hip enough, not connected to the team, you know, any sort of sourpuss BS to rain on another rider's fun. And it came up again recently on social media. And while I bit my tongue, I'm going to deal with it here. So let's start with the basics. No one gets to tell you what kind of bike you deserve to ride. And honestly, this poll should probably just end right there. <laughs> but but I'm gonna fully rabbit hole this. So everybody stand out of the way. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you guys can't see the air quotes when I'm, you know, making with my fingers, but you know, that nonsense is easy enough to shoot down, but let's take a moment to consider just what that implies. The general idea is that you need to be a pro or nearly so to deserve to ride a top-of-the-line carbon fiber frame with Dura-Ace DI2 or can't be record or whatever. So what's the next rung down the ladder? Are we to conclude that you need to be a cat run, cat one racing full time to deserve a cheaper carbon frame with Altegra or force? You know, if this stuff held any water at all, by the time we worked through all the various stratified layers of the Peloton, I would be resigned <laughs> to riding a used Schwinn varsity. 
Now, it's easy to buy something nice for the simple reason that you like to invest in quality, right? Mm-hmm. That's good enough. Yeah. Full stop. But say you decide to replace your old Trek 5900 with 9-speed Ultegra with something current. What do you really get today? First, the components will work better and last longer. I think that's something that gets underestimated. The longevity of, of so many of today's groups is really remarkable. Uh, the difference in performance between Shimano's Tiagra and 105 is enough to illustrate the point. Uh, anytime somebody asks me my opinion of a bike with Tiagra, I'm like, upgrade, upgrade. Don't, don't do that. Uh, that stuff wears out too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Especially the bearings will last longer, which really starts to matter after a winter like the one I had. Those higher quality carbon frames also have a livelier feel. So it's not just that the bike's heavier. The bike actually feels different. Another really curious point to consider is that while many people believe that really strong riders like sprinters need a stiff frame to handle all that wattage, that's not exactly the case. Frame stiffness is calibrated to anticipated rider weight, not rider power. So if you weigh 225 pounds, you do deserve the stiffest frame you can find. And if you weigh 110 pounds, don't go looking for something stiff because it's going to beat you to death. Mm-hmm. And here's my final point. And this one, I think, really matters the most. No one else in the world should have the power to tell you what sort of a good time you can have. And I know that a better bike increases my enjoyment of cycling. When I was in retail, I always told my customers to buy the best bike that they could appreciate, not the best mm-hmm. one they could afford. So if they could tell the difference between the $1,000 bike and the $1,500 bike in the test ride, buy the $1,500 bike. Um, and, you know, especially like if they couldn't appreciate any improvement to the $2,000 bike, it's definitely the $1,500 bike. You know, mm-hmm. if once you reach that point where it's like, oh, I don't know, it seems all the same to me, then don't spend more money. Uh, right. And the, the, the key here is that I genuinely believe a better bike leads to a better experience. You know, I've spent 30 years almost writing about how awesome cycling is. And it took me until just a couple of years to ago to work through this syllogism. Uh, if a better bike leads to a better ride. And if we can also agree that a really awesome ride makes for a better day, right? Well, And then what happens if you routinely line up a number of better days in a row because your ride was so awesome? I submit that's a better life. (laughs) I would agree. So uh, that's that's really it in a nutshell. Go have fun. Don't let anybody talk to you about what your bike ought to be or ought not to be. Um, And seriously, if you're if you're in the market for a new bike, you know, test ride a couple of different component levels, you know, different, different price points. And when you reach the one where you can tell the difference, uh, you know, but not more than that, that's probably your bike right there. And I, I, the number of people who've come back to me after I've said, uh, you know, look at this bike, don't, don't go cheap here and have come back and said, my gosh, I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the bike so much more than I thought I would. And that's the other piece. People will go out and ride more if they really love the bike. Totally. Yeah. So that's my thing. I like fun. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think I like I think that I, that I it's interesting. I don't I don't hear a lot of that. I've never had anyone say that to me. But I mean, I when I usually hear it, it's in context of like some wealthy guy racing in Central Park on a bike that he can't handle. Right. I mean, that's the context that I hear that statement in is like, oh, that guy's on like an eleven thousand dollar Pinarello and he can't even hold a straight line. You know, and that's that's just that's sour grapes and envy. I mean, it's more that's more than any, you know, the guy deserves whatever bike he can buy, but he should learn how to ride any bike he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that to your your larger point, I think, is the most important one is that I've seen so, so, so many. And it used to be a lot of women. And I don't know if that's still true, because women have tended not to like to spend a lot of money on themselves, especially when they're buying something like a bike. Um, yeah. I've seen. I've seen too many people buy the cheap bike, but then not have the experience that they really could have because the bike isn't good. Because a lot of times what you pay for is components. You pay for shifting. You pay for, you know, that higher price price point gets you just a better experience because your brakes work better. Your shifting works better. Your wheels are probably lighter. You know, I mean, that's that has such a huge impact on the quality of your experience and whether yep. or not you, you stick with the sport. You know, especially, and mountain bikes, especially, you know, you get out on a cheap mountain bike with bad suspension, or, you know, like are subpar for what you're doing. You're just not you, you could conclude that this sport is not for me when it's really the bike wasn't for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I think that I 100 I, percent I agree with you in that it's well worth going up and testing the different ranges and then seeing like. Like Goldilocks, like, oh, OK, because you're going to hit a point of diminishing noticeability, you know, like where you're just like, yeah, you know, I'm not really feeling that this is a thousand dollars worth more, whatever. But mm-hmm. but you I'm guessing you will definitely notice the difference between base level and like another another level up. So if you can't can't afford it, like definitely test the one up that you in yeah. your in your price range. Yeah. You know, and there's one other little corollary to this is once people start spending a little more on the bike, the shop is much more likely to recommend that they go through a proper fitting. And if you go through a proper fitting, you're going to be better balanced on the bike. The The bike's going to handle better as a result. And, you know, a change in handling on a bike can be huge for a rider. A friend of mine bought a custom C-SIP uh, winter before last, and we were on a climb uh, shortly after it had been built up and whatnot and watching how they handled that bike, they, you know, never had a custom bike before and Mm -hmm. watching how, uh, the turns, you know, were executed, just the overall poise on the bike. Wow. It was just such a marvel. And part of it was, you know, I was just impressed at, uh, Jeremy CSIP's ability, you know, to really nail the fit and get the balance right for the rider. Um, yeah, I mean, that is that is fundamentally the job of a custom frame builder. But to see it play out in action, you know, on, on, a, on a narrow piece of single track on a gravel bike, yeah. it, was, it was a real wonder to watch. I was just thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point, too. It is, it is all those things. Like, it's, uh, yeah, we, we should just dismiss that whole notion that, People don't deserve, you don't, you don't need to start at the basement and work your way up. It just doesn't, you wouldn't do that with anything else. You wouldn't do that with anything else. I don't deserve this good dishwasher. I'm going to get a crappy one. 
Yes. Like, like yes. you just went like, like what else would you do that with? You just wouldn't do it with anything else. Right. right? Yeah. No, that's that's well spotted. Yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I only want my dishes kinda clean. Right, right. I don't need them sparkling. I don't need them sparkling. I just just get the food off them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we could have such fun with that. Um, yeah, uh, like, seriously, just keep applying that in every part of your life and then just go get the bike you want. <laughs> My jeans absolutely should not fit. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't work <laughs> right, because of fashion. All of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Paceline picks? Sure, I'm I'm going to keep with my uh vacation theme here. I rode a um transition carbon smuggler while I was out there. I don't know if you have any experience with the transition mountain bikes. I see them around, but I haven't ridden them yet. I had not either. We had, we had a couple in the office, but they were they were larger, so I had never gotten on one. It was a delight. I can honestly say it's yeah. you know, it's a funny thing when you go on vacation. It's, I I often will not fly with a mountain bike at this point because <laughs> I it, because. it's a mission yeah, just because. Let's just say just because. They don't have any that break apart neatly like those, you know, your magical bike that you can with the couplers. Um, and and it's so easy to rent good mountain bikes, even maybe better mountain bikes than you have at home. Right. From. Yeah. From shops in those areas. So I have taken to like, no, 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 we're just going to go ride something else and something fun. But to your point. Then you're on something that you're a little unaccustomed to and you're on trails that you're unaccustomed to. So it can it can. In the worst case, it can be a little uncomfortable at first when you start riding just because yeah. it's, all these variables are new. But, yeah, get something that's similar to what you ride or just go all in and just get something, you know, completely different and just ex- embrace the experience. And I sort of went in between like the, the smuggler is a little different. It's like a 120, 140. So it's, you know, it's it's not a big bike, but it's not wasn't a small bike either. But it, it was sure. I was really impressed with what a supple bike it was. I, it just, it has a, uh, it's real playful and it barrels over everything, but it's also just, it's very light on its feet for lack of a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you're over like little stuttery stuff, it just sort of floats. It climbs super admirably. Uh, I couldn't, it has very, it's, it goes with the trend of having the giant wide bars, which when you're out West, you can usually get, you know, here I I would be clipping a lot of trees, but we, it, it was fine out there. It was just kind of funny to have my arms like so far out. But yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really nice pedaling bike and it's just, uh, it was really, I, I think, I think I'm going to try to get a little more time on it out here because I'd be curious to see what it is on like the Rocky super terrain. But, you know, I did a couple little jumps and it just, it was unfazed by anything. It kept its line. It didn't let me make stupid mistakes. You know, I like <laughs> a bike that takes care of you. And, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, it definitely it definitely took care of me. It, it didn't let me do anything incredibly dumb. And when I tried to, it sort of corrected and <laughs> came back onto the, <laughs> you know, onto single track. Yeah, it it, it has a Fox uh, DPS linear rear shock. And it, it, it really does sort of like it's very smooth and through all the through the whole stroke. It was really cool. Yeah. Wow. I haven't had a, a, a chance to ride, you know, the transitions, but uh, I am on a DPS uh, rear shock. And oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. The it's a nice shock, right? They're doing such good work. Um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just doing incredible work. And 
you know, to the point of bike buying, if somebody out there is dealing with a five, you know, six, seven year old mountain bike, do yourself a favor. I, I tell you, every three to four years, the advancements that bike companies are making in terms of suspension design and the suspension companies in terms of the way their shocks and forks work, it's practically a brand new sport. I think about the bike I was riding in 2011 yeah. and no, no, it's just such a different sport now. It's amazing. It is yeah. amazing. We were talking about that while we were out there. Like, and I know, I think I've said this before. I look at the bike that I did like the 24 hours of Canaan in West Virginia on, which is, <laughs> which is not an easy thing. And I'm like, how am I still here? How, how did I live? I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it, <laughs> It was a hardtail. It had a tiny, tiny little front fork, you know, some rock shocks, tiny thing, narrow bars, one point, nothing, weak tires. I, I just don't even know. Like I'm now, I just. I, 130 millimeter out, stem. Yeah. If I took that <laughs> out there now, I don't even know what would happen to me. But, but, the, but to your point that the, the jumps and, and how, you know, suspension, has always, you know, for the past however many years, it's been pretty good. But the the refining is amazing. How it get, you know, just how seamless it becomes, and how it doesn't bob, and you don't wallow, and it just, you know, it's not chatter, all that stuff. Like it's gotten yeah. so smooth, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I've just started riding uh, a new Jet Nine RDO. Um, oh, I Niner. love them, and uh, I, I am. You know, I had to do a little work in terms of setting up the sag correctly for the shock. Um, mm -hmm. It took a little more work than I was expecting, but holy cow, that bike is really impressive. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a really, really good bike. There's some really, yeah, that's part of the nice thing I think about renting and when you travel is you get to try some stuff out. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of fun to ask the staff, okay, the trails I'm going to do, you know, what's the right bike? You've got hundred millimeter there. You got a 120 bike there. You got a 140 bike over there. What do I need to be on? You know, and that's a, it's a really fun way uh, to, to make sure that your experience is as dialed as possible. Well, totally. And I have a lot of respect, you know, like from my friend, Greg, who runs this sort of operation because you know, you don't, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know the people who walk in and based on what you tell him, you know, and what you, you're, you're, you're looking for and what your riding style is. He recommends the bikes and the trails and the, you know, that's a, yeah, and it's the a first package. day. Yeah. It's a whole package. And then to make, just to, to watch you ride and make sure that you're accurately describing what your abilities are, you know, all that it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. Like mountain bike guiding is a very different animal from you know, yeah. taking people on road tours. Absolutely. There's a, yeah. there's a lot more caretaking that is necessary, you know, to be a good guide mountain biking, you need to be much more aware of what your riders are doing. Um, and the people who can do that without seeming like they're babysitting. Right. That's a special skill set. I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for it too. I, I really do. It's, it's, it, it takes a special personality and, and skill set, I think I, and I have neither. So yeah, yeah, I am. I not won't be that doing person. it anytime soon. Yeah. I, I'm happy to take people out for a ride, but I, I am not the person you would look to for guiding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I get us all lost job. too. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's the, the other part of it. Oh, 
<laughs> okay. Well, anyway, spe- what do you got for us this week? Speaking of getting lost, <laughs> my pick this week is the Sigma Sports Rocks 12.0 or 12.0. Uh, this is a new GPS unit from the German company whose products I first used as regular bike computers back in the 1990s. Oh, yeah, uh, I had one. You know, I knew that name was familiar. Magnet on wheel. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, yeah. guys. Yeah, well, they make GPS units now, um, you know, which is remarkable given what, given what you have to do in terms of electronics, the engineers you have to hire, all the software oh. that has to be written. This is a company that really, you know, looked at the future and, and embraced it. So I'm just impressed as hell that somebody was making lousy bike computers. They weren't lousy, but, you know, it was not a particularly impressive thing. So they're very sophisticated now. Um, this one is a little unusual, unusual in that it features a color screen, but the way they use the color really enhances understanding when looking at a map. Think mm-hmm. about how color is used, you know, with Google maps. It's, it's very reflective of that experience. Is it kind of um, like the Rome? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a more sophisticated color use than the Rome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, it features a touch screen. Uh, so while there are six buttons on the unit itself, most functions are accessed via the touch screen. Um, mm-hmm. But if you've got like a, a thick glove on, there are two buttons on the side that allow you to flip the screens instead of trying to drag your glove over the screen 18 times. Mm-hmm. Um, they say battery life is up to 16 hours or 40 hours if you put it in energy saving mode. Um, I. You know, it, I think there are a lot of things that you can employ that will draw that that battery life down some from 16 hours. But still, mm-hmm. that's solid. It'll get you through any long day. Um, the array of functions and features is as complete as I've seen. Notably, you can set separate eating and drinking alarms. Huh. Sort of makes me wonder if I should have if I should have used that at Dirty Kanza. That, I might have benefited. Yeah. Um, you can do everything from, uh, from programming specific workouts to chasing Strava live segments, um, and even analyzing your ride, uh, your performance on a ride post ride. Hmm. My knock against the unit is that the size of the screen relative to the size of the unit isn't really great. I, I've been spoiled. Yeah. The, the screen isn't that big. I've been spoiled by the iPhone. I really have. I look at the the case and then I look at the screen. It's like, why isn't the screen bigger? That's literally the only thing I can say against it. But with that one caveat, here's why the computer's super noteworthy. Its navigation functions are super impressive. You don't need to go to ride with GPS to create a route, export the GPX file, email it to your iPhone, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's not 18 steps. With the Rocks 12.0, you can go into the navigation page, scroll across the map, find you where you want to start your ride, and simply draw the shape of the route you want to ride, and it will pick the roads and get you from start to finish. It will even do that with trails. I just did that this morning with Anadel. Uh, So all the legal trails are in their map for Anadel State Park. Yes. Yes, it is totally crazy. I mean, how do you even get that data? I, you know, but I was able to create a loop. I'm not really sure what trails it was putting me on, but if you're willing to keep blowing up 
the 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 display and you know drilling yeah. deeper and deeper in detail you can if you're patient you can draw something super specific it's yeah it's wow. absolutely remarkable uh i'm really still getting to know this thing and i'm curious to see how hard you have to work to get it to include a specific road you know or specific uh-huh. trail um especially if there are multiples available one thing i did notice is that like when you're doing route planning on Google maps, it, it will, it will prefer to default to the shortest possible route to get to that point. So mm-hmm. sometimes drawing a loop, uh, results in something a little weird. So I have some learning to figure out how to get, get around that. A quick word for anyone who wears glasses, while you can make the data fields big enough that you can read the display while riding, uh, but all the setup, Man, you definitely need glasses. Some of the type gets crazy uh, small. We're talking like six point or something. Uh, so yeah, do all your data, uh, uh, all your all your setup, and you know, uh, choosing all the various parameters and whatnot, alarms. Do all that at home with your glasses on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, using it out on the road or the trail, it really it's it's a it's a pretty intuitive unit. Um, and works really well. Uh, it retails for four seventy five, but I it's swear in line with pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. you know, this is such that I think you could actually get away without, uh, without having a laptop or desktop computer. You can you huh? can get at all your data in the thing itself. I don't think it would be a lot really? of fun, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, That's and of course, you know, like everything else, it's got seamless uploads to Strava, to Training Peaks, uh, companion app on your phone. There is also a companion app on your phone. You don't need the companion app to get it to upload. I like that too, though. I like that. Yeah. That was kind of my one of my beefs with. I don't know if Lazine still does that, but they they had such a tight integration between the app and the device that it was too tight for me. I like to, I like to be able to use them independent of each other. Yeah. 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 That's, that was one of the things that recently changed with the Wahoo element is that it will just automatically from their app upload to Strava so that you don't have to do the extra step. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So this one, this skips it all. It does it directly from the computer. Cool. Yeah. Super. Neat stuff. Oh, well, what do you got going this weekend? Anything? Uh, well, catching up on stuff pretty much around the house since I was away. And it's it's going to be a pretty fun weekend. It's going to be hot. But there's a, I do a, a big cancer charity ride every two years called the Pennsylvania Perimeter Ride Against Cancer. And it's yep. uh, coming up this year at the end of July. So that's between five and 600 miles. Very hilly days, very hard days. So we usually get together with, with each other, people locally who are doing the ride. And we do some fun training days together. So this weekend has some of that. Like we'll do, you know, at least one very big ride, maybe maybe two days go very big since it's going to be you know, the weather's going to be conducive to it. So just looking to get get out and you know do some big rides with friends. Can't can't complain about that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yourself? <clears throat> I I'm I'm now shifting gears into uh, not doing events for a while uh, okay. tomorrow. Uh, I'm taking my mountain bike uh, with a friend and we are going to an area winery 
that is opening up its grounds to cycling and hiking. And then they're going to do a picnic lunch and wine tasting. And that sounds great, too. (laughs) You know, I think it's about time I did something that was a little more touristy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so I'm I'm going easy. I'm behaving. I'm letting my legs recover. Uh, I'm going to go out for a ride this afternoon. We'll see how they're doing. Did you feel recovered on your ride? On the grass? Uh, for the first hour or two, I felt pretty good. And then once I needed to start really digging, I could tell, oh, we're not 100% yeah. there yet. I did everything I could. And uh, the, I forget what it is, that score on Strava for, you know, how hard you went. TSS. Uh, yeah, I guess that or, or yeah. whatever there is. Yeah. It oh, was, yeah, yeah. They call it something else. I don't mean. It was it was lower than my last couple of events. It was the lowest I've had in like gotcha. the last two months. So gotcha. obviously I'm not fully recovered. And so now yeah. I'm going to I'm going to let myself do that. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. That's a great plan. Right in time for summer. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Thank Terry Gross for Cyclists. This week's show is an appreciation of Bruce Gordon, who recently died. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of everybody I, I was able to round up for that. Uh, we've got some, some great guests, people who really knew him. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.